Welcome to 49ers After Dark, the most measured and well-balanced 49ers show on YouTube, where we both talk in a very quiet NPR voice. That's Jesse. I'm Grant. And the title of today's show is Overreactions and Underreactions After One Game. As you know, Jesse and I are very measured and well-balanced, but a lot of people have gotten very excited after this win over a team that's going nowhere and will not face the 49ers ever again this season. We're hearing things like the Niners are the best team in football, that Brock Purdy is top 15, 10, 5 quarterback, and that uh, the Niners have no weaknesses, or that Kyle Shanahan's trying to get all his players hurt in the fourth quarter of blowouts. I don't know. We're going to have to talk about all of the positives and the negatives, but let's start right where I'm talking about. Are people overreacting to the win over Pittsburgh? I mean, you would have thought the Niners just wrote their ticket to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I think there is some overreaction, but I also think that there's apropos reaction. And here's what I mean by that. I think the fans should be very excited about the win over Pittsburgh. And the reason I say that is because I think everybody knows the 49ers are for real, Grant. It's a matter of can they start out for real and make that happen all the way through the season because that number one seed is so important. And so the fact that they went into Pittsburgh on the road, tough environment, East Coast game, early East Coast game, and dominated in that fashion, I don't think anybody saw that coming. So yes, I think fans should be very excited because it doesn't look like they'll be starting three and five as long as they play like this. However, I think the 49ers as players in an organization, I felt like they were a little too excited for a week one win. That's at least what I, what it felt like to me. It was either like a weight was lifted off their shoulder, but they really were all about, I told you so after week one. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if you're a Super Bowl team, is a week one win really something to celebrate? So from the team side, I would say probably a bit of an overreaction but from a fan side i think that everybody's well within their right to react the way that they did because they should be excited about this team if this is what it's going to look like yeah they're in good shape yeah i totally agree i mean those are the kind of wins that fans should savor enjoy yeah. like don't minimize like that's the whole point of being a fan is to enjoy moments right. like that right. especially if you were in pittsburgh and you could see the you know sadness on those Steeler fans' faces, um, but I feel like there's a lot of you know journalists and content creators who just went full fan mode, which was kind of interesting to see so early in the season, uh, trying to be like the first to plant their flag on a bandwagon that frankly doesn't involve them. I mean, but teach his own. And then to your point, like the Niners themselves overreacting to this win, it felt like it meant a lot to them. You know that they. they it seemed like we were talking about the clouds hanging over the team, right? It's a cloud. Mm. We, we were talking about that last week. They're gone. And I think that's why people are so happy. Like, forget about Brock Purdy's arm for now. Forget about Nick Bosa for now. Forget about the slow start for now. Like, every issue, Jake Moody, forget about him for now. Yeah. Every issue you could yeah. possibly come up with seemed like was not an issue other than Colton McKivitt, Spencer Burford, Avery Thomas, and maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Yeah, it and, and that's, ex that's exactly where I'm at because, to me, most of the questions were answered about this team for now. Uh, obviously, it's a week-to-week -week game. We'll see how it goes week-to-week. -week. But right it's now... It's an AFC team that's going nowhere and will not face the Niners again. That's where right. I'm running Well, well I, will say, I will say this. Pittsburgh, to me, I picked the 49ers to win, but I did expect it to be close. And I also did not pits, uh, pick Pittsburgh to go to the playoffs. That being said... I did fully expect a Mike Tomlin team playing at home to play very well and be competitive. And the fact that it was not competitive, really pillar to post, that is an impressive win. I don't care what the Steelers record ends up being. That team, week one, I thought would be as prepared as any team in the league based off of what they've been under Mike Tomlin to this point. So that was a very impressive win only because of the fashion that they did it. Not the fact that they won but how they did it on the road early game, as I said, fans should be elated over it. For sure. But I feel like the media reaction is that the Niners are the best team in football right now. 
because the Chiefs lost a close game to a a potential playoff opponent without Travis Kelsey and stuff out there. Uh, meanwhile, the Niners won big. Not as big as Dallas won, but it seemed like everyone sort of had the Niners maybe as like higher than Dallas in their power ranking. And so Chiefs lose, Niners win big, and boom, the Niners are the number one team in the league because they beat the Steelers by 23. I, I mean, that feels like an overreaction. I, I still feel like the Niners are clearly in the top tier of teams, but how differently do you look at them? I mean, I guess... Drake Jackson was a huge revelation. I feel like he's the big story from this game. Brock Purdy, still Brock Purdy. That's great. Christian McCaffrey, still Christian McCaffrey. But Drake Jackson, three sacks in one game. Wow. What a huge addition to this team. Yeah, and I think overall, Grant, what it comes down to, at least for me, and I think probably a lot of these people that are now saying the 49ers are the number one team, is what questions did you have going into the game? Because for me, I had a lot of questions. Not that I thought it was going to be bad for sure, but just I need answers to these questions. One of them, Jake Moody. For now, answer the question with a resounding exclamation mark. Can the run defense hold up? It didn't all preseason long. Yep, sure can. Is there anybody opposite of Bosa? Yep, seems like Drake Jackson's pretty good. The only thing that we didn't get a, a resounding yes, this is good to go answer to was the right side of the offensive line. Now, that's still a concern, But when you have five big questions going into a game or four big questions and all of them but one get answered, at least for now, man, it's hard hard to not say that this team is is for real in week one. But really, we know that none of this matters, Grant, not until they get to the playoffs and they start winning. But that doesn't mean, you know, that we can just, all right, well, let's uh, kick our feet up and, and wait until the postseason to be impressed. I'm impressed right now. Because I did not expect it to go that way. I picked him to win, did not expect a blowout. I thought that was almost a 0% chance of that happening, and I was way wrong. We've seen like when Purdy and McCaffrey are both healthy, offense yeah. rolls. That's true. Uh, Good point. And this defense is rolling too. So maybe we shouldn't expect close games, slow starts. As long as Brock and McCaffrey are out there and healthy. This team's going to do well, well, but there's like 20 games left. I know that you picked the 49ers to win also, Grant. But my not question 20, is this. Not 30 to 7. Not by 30. No, no, no. But my question is this to you. If this team is healthy, do you foresee yourself picking against the 49ers in any game until they prove to you that they are, are a beatable team? Like to that's me, like I got to see them lose before I pick against them. I really do. I think that's point. a fair thing. I think that's totally a, a fair thing to say. Yeah. I'm not necessarily certain. Like, let's say, like, I'm not picking against the Niners in the next three weeks. I'll already say that. No. They're going to win this week. No. They're going to beat the Rams. They're going to beat the yep. Giants. They're going to beat yep. the Cardinals. So they'll be 4 0, most likely heading into week five against the Cowboys, who also could be 4 0. For sure. I don't know who I'm going to pick in that win, in that game, if it comes to that. But the Niners will be at home. And they match up very well with Dallas. So I've, I very well could pick the Niners to win that game too. Man, they could go 17-0, but that doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl. they got a long way to go. It's a long season. And they got to stay healthy at some very important positions. But so far, so good. So far, so good. Yeah. Okay, take a couple supers. Frank Tom Ocean says, smash the likes. It's free. Smash them. <laughs> smash. Lucky Louise says Jesse Lamar is amazingly overrated. That's so amazingly off topic and random. It it is, oh, you know. But here's what I will say: because your son's a fan, like he's a child. I don't know. I don't know if the 49ers doing what they did in Week One is necessarily an overreaction. But I think Week One as a whole is a massive overreaction week. You're hearing things like Burrow's no good, Allen's no good, like. Come on, like it, it. It's one week of football. How many times do you are you gonna fall for one week of football? Burrow started off awful last year. These are a lot. There's a lot of good players that are being called overrated or trash based off of one game. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that's another one. Like talking about overreactions. I put out a tweet on Monday night after Josh Allen lost the game. Yeah. Who's a better quarterback, Brock Purdy or Josh Allen? Brock Purdy won 65-35. Okay. 
Like, come on, guys. Are you serious? All right. You know like, what else yeah, I Josh saw? Josh Allen turns the ball over a lot. You know who else turned the ball over a lot when I was a kid who's a lot like Josh Allen? Brett Favre. Oh, Brett Favre did a ton. Yeah. Is that not a really good comparison for Josh Allen? Like, Brett Favre, I mean, in 1999, hold on. In 98, he threw 23 picks. In 99, he threw 23 picks. In 2005, he threw 29 picks. I don't know. I still would take Brett actually, Favre. I still would take Josh Allen. People that's used to compare Patrick Mahomes to Josh Allen, but he's, I mean, Patrick Mahomes to Brett Favre, but he's way better than Brett Favre. Yeah, but I heard people saying that, uh, well, Patrick Mahomes is nothing without Kelsey, but there's zero weapon. If Kelsey's not on that team, that team has zero weapons. It's not like you have an abundance of weapons that San Francisco has, or even, let's remove San Francisco. It's not like you have an abundance of weapons like, let's say, the Chargers have, and you're removing one weapon from that, and you're like, oh, see, he sucks without that one weapon. They have no receivers in Kansas City. Their running game is not very good. And you took away the only thing that Patrick Mahomes legitimately has. If those players would have just caught basic passes like an NFL player should, they still would have won that game without Kelsey and without Chris Jones. But, you know, he's not good without Kelsey is, is the narrative this week. Okay. Yeah. Oh. The uh the one reels at Getsu says, do you think the trend of opponents losing to the Niners the week after they play the Niners will continue? Yeah, I'd, I'd bet against the Steelers this week. They suck. Who <laughs> They're playing Cleveland, Sorry. too, I think. Yeah, I think so. That's a possibility. Bass Spokane Niner fan says, did Kyle play it slow after we were up? Could the score have been a 50-burger had Kyle kept the, uh, the gas to the floor, making the win more impressive thoughts? Yeah, I think so. But who cares? In the first half? Get out of there healthy. That's That was the real win this week. Uh, pissed off brother Bob says nails. I'm concerned if the guy I sent you today plays. Oh, he's talking about Sam Darnold. Oh, good times. Chad new says they did a great job in the first half. That is with most of the starting players in the game for the second half. It should have been a bigger blowout. Still a great team, but unproven still. Okay. All Niners says, is there any concern with Trey having our playbook? No, um, they know. They know. I mean, they have Dan Quinn. No, they know the playbook. Yeah, Dan Quinn has the playbook. Good call. Yeah. The Gold Rush five sixty one says, in your opinion, is Brock Purdy a top fifteen quarterback if you put him on any team in the league? No. That well, hold on. Is is he a top fifteen quarterback on any team in the league? Like forever, am I taking him top fifteen out of all the quarterbacks? Probably not. But we're going to talk about power rankings later, and that might be a different story. So I'll I'll save it. Lucky Luis says against the Rams, the Niners are favored by eight, most in the NFL. That's a lot to cover Yikes. for any NFL. That's team. a lot to cover. Yeah, Did you see the they're road? wearing their home red jerseys though. In <laughs> Sofi, really? Pretty how they get? Yeah. How they pull that off? Is the Rams? Are the Rams going to wear blue or white? But I don't know. I would imagine white, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But that's pretty funny. All right. Let's talk quarterback power rankings, courtesy of uh, the 33rd team and Derek Klassen, who I've been following on Twitter forever. Here are his rankings. 1 to 32. As you see, Brock Purdy, number 23, a conservative ranking. Niner fans would put him number 2 or 3, maybe number 1. But... Derek Klassen of 33rd, uh, the 33rd team has met 23 after Justin Fields and Garoppolo and Pickett. Man, I've got a even I'm not that big of a hater. Niner fans, why don't you get mad at this guy? Yeah, they probably will now. They and they should. Uh, here's the way that I look at power rankings, Grant. Power rankings to me are who played the best essentially, especially week one. We have one game this season. So who yeah. played the best in that one game? That's what a power ranking is. That does not mean that this is the best player. So keeping guys like Mahal, or excuse me, like Allen up there who did not have a good game, Burrow who threw for 82 yards. I mean, yeah, they're better players. And of course I would take them to build my franchise, but in a power ranking to not have Purdy in the top 10, I think is a little crazy based off of how a lot of these other quarterbacks played. I mean, I can put him, should should he not be above Fields? I mean, I think he should. Garoppolo, Pickett, not Love. Love played great. 
Uh, definitely Daniel Jones. Car- like, I could make a case for most of these, a lot of these guys in front of him. Tua obviously played phenomenal, and Stafford played well. So I think in a power ranking situation, after just one week, Purdy would be t- top 10 in the power rankings. I-, I don't see how you can't. Like, well, this I wouldn't isn't make a who's power the best. Of, I think it is. I think it is who's the best. I, I wouldn't make a power ranking based off of one week, but maybe he is. I wouldn't. I think it's fair to take the totality of their careers. And, and if you're going to do that, I don't see how you just put a guy with nine starts in the top 10. I think it's fair to say so far so good. Um, putting him ahead of Deshaun Watson is a little strange. Uh, putting him, I mean, wow. But below Fields, I think I, I could put Purdy ahead of Fields. I could put her, Purdy ahead of Garoppolo and Pickett. Um, Love had a great week one, too. I could put him ahead of Love since Love has two career starts. But then after that, Carr, Daniel Jones, Goff, Mac Jones, Russell Wilson, Ryan Tannehill, Tua, Cousins. These are all guys with long track records. And it's hard for Purdy to crack that until he, I mean, he could do it by the end of the season. But I think that's going to be something that he slowly does. And I think it's important not to get ahead of yourselves with quarterbacks early in their careers. We learned that from Jimmy. We learned that from oh, Colin. I, you know I, I mean? agree wholeheartedly. Important. This is yeah. a, a, like who you're taking to start your franchise. That And that's what this list is for sure. But also, I think then you... Yeah, you like, let's see, say that's no, what this list is. Is this list yeah. fair if you're just like straight up, straight up like... Uh, ex- ex- like oh, what's the word? Just a, a draft where everyone's available and and you know they're all getting paid the same exact amount. Where does Purdy really get taken? Mm, I'm I'm looking at it. I would take him above Garoppolo, for sure. Like for sure, for sure, Garoppolo, mm-hmm. Pickett. I mean, Field. Listen, Fields has all the talent in the world, but he's got to show me that he can get rid of the would ball. Would you take him above love? three? Uh, I, that one's a toss up to me. It's two small sample sizes, so that's a toss up. I'm it's taking tough. him above Mac Jones. I'm taking right now, right now. I'm, I ta- I'm taking him above Tannehill. I'm probably taking him above Russell Wilson right now. Just simply right now, Russell Wilson's not a good. Well, he, he's right so much now. younger, so that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. And, and that's yeah. I mean, that's probably the list. I think. Yeah. I mean, people crap on golf, but I mean, I think golf's pretty damn good. So I'd probably do that. So you know. I, I think you can make a case for Purdy to be realistically in this moment of guys you would take. If not 15, close to 15, 15-ish. like 14 I to 17 ish, you know? That's what Michael Parsons said. He was like, man, Brock Purdy's not getting nearly enough credit. He's top 15, which is like, that's not even that big of a compliment. He's saying like he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league, like one of the top half. And I think that's. M- Maybe fair, but I still think I'd like to know before if we get to get a real ranking on him. Like, what happens if you start taking away a couple playmakers? We just had to see Patrick Mahomes without That's anyone last week. Yeah. Without anyone, like Kadarius Tony couldn't catch anything, and now people are looking at Patrick Mahomes a little differently. Like, come on, are you kidding? <laughs> Coming off of his second Super Bowl victory, yeah. So, no, I agree. I agree with that. It it's uh. I just look at quarterback power rankings as like a week to week type thing. Sure. I mean, otherwise, like for me, for how after one, are. yeah, I mean, because the way yeah. that I see it is after one game, how do you move anybody up your list or down your list? If that, if you have a list and you're like, this is my quarterbacks and then you're drastically changing it after one week, I'm like, mm, how much conviction did you have? Or, or sure. like Lynch would say, how convicted are you? I, you know, I, I don't know that you're, you're very convicted. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, piss off, brother Bob says Iglet. Does Larry Kruger constantly say "purdy" to you at practice? No. <laughs> Nathan Flores says, says Gino, Gino Smith at ten. LOLOL. Man, Gino Smith folded big time in this last game. He looked awful. He did. Yeah, he did. But we'll say it's one bad. game. I'm not overreacting right, so to anything. We did overreactions. This was kind of another reaction. I don't know if people overreacted or underreacted to it, but like everyone knows, Christian McCaffrey. Got the ball a lot in the second half with the Niners up 20. It was like Brock Purdy took back-to-back sacks, he fumbled, and then Christian McCaffrey closed out the game up 20 because Kyle didn't trust anyone else. And um, to me, it feels like people kind of underreacted to this. Like, this is scary because this is the thing that's going to prevent the Niners from winning the Super Bowl if it happens. Like, 
Kyle needs to not overuse Christian McCaffrey. He needs to make sure that Christian McCaffrey is fresh and healthy for the playoffs. They're going to have to win either. They're going to have to play either 20 or 21 games. And to, to wear out potentially McCaffrey to win one week one is not seeing the big picture. And we, we asked Kyle about this and he made it pretty clear that that week one loss to Detroit, not loss, but a win over Detroit where they took out their starters and then had to put them back in two years ago, sort of informs his decision-making. That's a poor excuse to wear out Christian McCaffrey. Like McCaffrey wasn't on that team. And you're sort of like punishing him because you could be a better coach. Like, why don't you just be a better coach? Close out the game instead of saying, hey, Christian, you need 25 touches this week. I mean, no offense, Kyle, but I'm just saying like, that's not his burden. That's your burden. It's scary to think that they're going to have to lean on Christian so heavily when anything goes uh, awry and they can't like have weeks where he just doesn't work that much. This should have been a great, after that 65-yard touchdown run to me, man, get him out of there. It's a long year and he's 200 pounds. Sorry. Go ahead, Jesse. What do you think about Kyle Shanahan potentially overusing Christian McCaffrey? I'm worried, but I'm Jewish and it's in my nature. (laughs) No, I... I understand why people would be worried, and I'm not saying that I'm not. I definitely called it out a ton last year in games. It was very clear to me. There was an observation that I noticed at the game, though, and I want to run this by you. And ultimately, you can still blame Kyle because they should maybe take this out of Christian's hands. To me, Christian has autonomy to choose when he's in and when he's out. There was multiple times where they actually had Mitchell running onto the field and he looked at him and was like, no, you get off. And this was when they had a big lead. It's like they were trying to get Mitchell in and he's like, no, 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 I'm staying in. And then they did get him out a couple times and they would, you know, first down, second down. And then once it came to third down, he's like, nope, I'm coming back in. It's like, bro, you guys are up 23 at this point. Why are you going back in? But as a player, you're probably going to choose to play. That's how he is. We know that he's a workhorse. So maybe they need to take that out of his hands. But I did. That was an observation that I I noticed in the game. Great observation. He chooses when he plays and when he doesn't. You remember when we were kids and the Niners would be up big and you'd know Mm -hmm. the game was over when you'd see Steve Young and Jerry Rice wearing hats on the sideline. And they'd always be like, the helmets are off. They're wearing the hats, guys. Here come the... Take his helmet. Christian, thank you for your service. You did great. We're going to give you the game ball. It's over. I just think... (laughs) Save him for himself. Because here's how I'm looking about it. I feel about this the same way I felt about Trey Lance last year. Before week two, I think I was in a live blog. I was talking about the keys of the game. Maybe it was a preview. I said, please don't use Trey Lance like a fullback. I noticed in week one that you had him running between tackles. Like, that needs to stop. Because it's not sustainable. And even though he didn't get hurt week one, it makes me uncomfortable. And please don't do that. And then he got injured doing that week two. I'm not saying that McCaffrey's going to get injured week two, up 20 in the fourth quarter. But God forbid. We're, it's on all of our minds. And if it happens, it's going to be indefensible. So please, Kyle, it's bad coaching. You have Jordan Mason on the team for a reason. Christian McCaffrey called him Mariano Rivera last year for a reason. He's your closer. Got to trust him. And if you don't, then he shouldn't be on the team. That's your closer, Jordan Mason. Come on, man. Come on, man. If Christian McCaffrey goes down, this team is screwed. He changed everything last year. Everything you went from an inconsistent middling offense to a great offense. You got to keep him healthy. Be serious about this. Don't Trey Lansom. And that's a verb. It is a verb. And you know what I mean when I say don't Trey Lansom. <laughs> you know, it is interesting. And this is probably something going back to what the expectations were going into week one. I think everybody, including myself, forgot that this team with Christian McCaffrey and a healthy quarterback is essentially undefeated. Like, yeah. yeah, they lost to the Chiefs, but he was there for three days. But once he was fully integrated into the offense the week after, they did not lose, whether it was Jimmy yeah. or Purdy. As long as they had a healthy quarterback with Christian McCaffrey, they won that game. So That's right. So keep him upright, man. You got 20 yeah. more of these. At, at least 19 more of these, maybe 20. You can't you have, do 25 this. touches? 25. Yeah, that's too much. Yeah. When you're, when you pucker up in the third and fourth quarter, your answer can't be just ride Christian, man. 
pause because that's not sustainable. He's not built for that. No running back is. Look what your dad did to Terrell Davis. It was too much. Be smart here. You have four tailbacks on the team for a reason. We like all of them. Be a coach. <laughs> Don't let Christian McCaffrey dictate his own playing time. I, I remember when Debo was, I think it was against Arizona, and they had a, a big lead. It was towards the end of the game, and they ran him on an end around, and he tweaked his hamstring and didn't play for a week or two. It's like, why? Why, why even risk any of that? That's all it takes yeah. is just one tweak. I mean, Brett Favre, Brett Favre literally, his season and maybe his career is done after four snaps. All it takes is one. It just takes one. Now, I get it. MetLife, the turf's awful there. That's a whole different thing. But it just takes one play, man. It, it's not worth it. Please, Kyle, be prudent, be smart. You don't need to do that. It just seems like you're you're a great coach, right? You're genius. And when you get when things get a little bit hairy, your plan is, hey, give let's give McCaffrey nine touches. Like, stop. You got you're better than that. I think you're better than that. I that game was better. not ever hairy, though. That's the thing. It wasn't. <laughs> it was never after yeah. that sixty-five yard touchdown run. It was over. They didn't need to do any of that. Dustin the Gale says, do you think cornerbacks are watching Duck Dynasty to game plan against the Niners? That is not nice. But what I will say is that in that side of the country, Pittsburgh, uh, it's kind of close to West Virginia. There is a very much a Duck Dynasty vibe going on there. Like people with the... the they the they were, I, I gotta say, man, the Steeler fans were so awesome. I thought they were great. Before the game, they didn't even talk any trash. They were so impressed with how well 49ers fans travel. And they were very knowledgeable about their team. I, Hats off to the Pittsburgh Steelers fans. They're great. Larry Johnson says, yo, Grant, it's my cousin's birthday. Can you wish them a happy birthday? Their names are Kevin and Adriel. They're both brothers, and ironically, they share birthdays. Happy birthday, Kevin and Adriel. Ironically, it's your... Are they not twins? Birthday. They were born different years? That's kind of crazy. That's crazy. Ty yeah. Bud says, love you, Grant, but that is a dumbass take. CMC is being punished because of the Detroit came outcome. You just trolling out Jesse Sickham. No, maybe, maybe you, you don't just, understand what I mean. It's like, it's like you're justifying overusing Christian McCaffrey because you couldn't figure out how to close out a game against Detroit two years ago without Christian McCaffrey. Like, man, that's not the solution. There's got to be another solution to we almost blew a game against Detroit. Christian uh, Didn't George Kittle fumble an onside kick? Like, come on. Come on. One game two years ago is justification for overusing? No. No, that's not a good reason to overuse Christian McCaffrey, in my opinion, Ty Bud. Abu Marco, 23, says, imagine if Ayuk had a quarterback like Cousins that force-feeds 16 targets a game to him. This dude is always open. Always open. He, yeah, he's literally always open. Three other running backs so we can use them after CMC gets hurt. <laughs> Big brain theory. Pissed off brother Bob. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Should the Niners acquire Lyle Collins, right tackle, formerly of Cincinnati? Been released? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah. and he is on the pup. It's not, you know, he's still recovering from his ACL injury that he had about a year ago now. Man, yeah. talent-wise, I would say yes, but I don't think that, I, A, I don't think he's a fit with the scheme, and B, I don't know that he's any good anymore. He's now coming off of another major injury. He was originally released from Dallas due to a hip injury. He signed a big contract with Cincy. They thought he was going to solve the problems. The little amount that he did play, he was a turnstile, and then he got injured. I just don't think that's the solution. I think a lot of people are like, yeah, go get him. Do it now. And I initially was like, yeah, you know, let's kick the tires on him. I just don't think that's it. I don't think that is the answer at right tackle. Now, maybe, maybe you can overpay a Taylor Lewan and he can come in and play right tackle. I, I would at least venture down that path. It's unlikely, but maybe you can venture down that path over going after Lyle Collins. But I don't. I just don't think he has it anymore. I think he's sadly probably done. Yeah, I think if he had anything left, he would be on the Bengals right now. Yeah, they, they could. They could use him. I'm pretty sure, right? <laughs> yeah, and if and if he had anything, or or a team would have traded a seventh round pick for him, he wouldn't just be released. So. That's the thing about trying to get a right tackle. This it seems like a maybe the hardest position. It's hard. Offensive tackle and quarterback, the two toughest positions to address midseason. I think they're pretty much all in with Colton Kivitz. So, you know, 
well, I was going to ask you about about McKivitz as well, and everybody's piling on McKivitz, and somehow Burford is like just skating by with nobody really talking about him. He was just as bad, if not worse, in my opinion. Talk about it. Talk which about is it. is worrisome. He gave up one less pressure. One less pressure. He didn't have TJ Watt lining up over him all game, and he had two penalties. He did not look good. I. And he still might. I'm not writing him off after one game, but I really was hoping that he would take that next step, much like Banks did. Unlike Banks, he actually was able, he was good enough and able to get on the field in year one, which I think was very impressive in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Rookie offensive linemen often don't get on the field. Mm -hmm. He was able to. And he didn't have a good training camp, much like Banks didn't have a good training camp. And a lot of people were like, oh, is he going to be good? He was not good at all. He was awful, awful, just as bad, in my opinion, as McKivitz. That is not good. You got to have at least one of them step up and do something for the rest of the season. You cannot have both of these guys this bad all season long. That will prevent them, I believe, from winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the biggest concerns I have for the Niners, like we, we keep nitpicking Brock, is he good enough, is he not? I mean, he's pretty good. Like, my questions that I have, I think the biggest questions that, that could hold the Niners back are the right side of the offensive line and Kyle. Because, again, we just said, as long as Brock and Christian are healthy together, the team hasn't lost yet. So far, mm -hmm. it works. But that right side of the offensive line could get Brock hurt like it already did. Kyle could get Christian McCaffrey hurt like he gets most of his running backs hurt. Sorry, Kyle. But those are my concerns. Kyle overusing his running backs and, Kyle, and that offensive, that right side not protecting the quarterback. It's a big deal. But it's not just cold and the Spencer Burford, too. You're right. Yeah. So he was, he, everybody was looking at, at McKivitz, and I'm like, oh, Burford looks just as bad. This is not good at all. Yeah. I mean, it's just McKivitz had a much tougher matchup. Uh, but Burford this week has Aaron Donald. So if the Niners don't have a great game plan, which they always do against the Rams, yeah, they do. Burford will get exposed. Yeah. Um, Matt says reports out say Collins has chronic hip, hip issues. That's not good. Josh Weiss says Taylor Moten is just dangling out there. Taylor Moten. Yeah. Might not be a bad idea. I don't trust more the one. coming off the bench. He might be the one. All right. Tell, tell the good people who watch our show what Eric Armstead said. Yeah. So he, he's got a post-game show that he's doing now. And he was talking about how he wasn't satisfied with his performance. He said that he put up a, a zero in the stat sheet and he expects more from himself. And I, I know that this is something that's been a, a big topic around here. You love to hear it. Yeah, yeah, you do. You absolutely do love to hear it. But I want to say, you know, Eric Armstead, for as much as he's getting paid, maybe maybe overpaid at this point. And I think that might be fair based off of the quote unquote production that you're getting. You know, I, you know, he didn't. What he had zero sacks last year in the regular season. But mm -hmm. to me, when I watch that game. I don't think this is a game that he needs to say that in because I watched Eric Armstead dominate that game. I think there's a reason that Drake Jackson had three sacks, and I think Eric Armstead mm -hmm. is a big reason for that. He moved the center of that pocket repeatedly and pushed Pickett out onto the edges and allowed those other guys to go make plays. I mean, play in and play out. I think he, stats aside, he was probably the, their best defensive lineman on Sunday. That's my opinion of what I saw from Eric Armstead. So statistically, it didn't show up. And that's not always the case with Eric. I definitely think there are weeks where you almost don't recognize him. And after a week like that, I would say, yeah, that's fair to say. But I don't, if, if he looks this good all season, Grant, and puts up zero quote unquote numbers, he looked really good to me on Sunday. That's just my personal opinion. He looked like he always looks at, at his best, which is excellent against the run and excellent at creating pressure. Beyond that, I mean, finishing plays, uh, lighting up the, the stat sheet, it's not really what he's ever been. Like, he's almost mm -hmm. 30 years old. This is him. He does he has a huge impact on the game that isn't reflected in the stat sheet. But, you know, they still picked him over Buckner, who has a huge impact on the game that is reflected in the stat sheet. Like, week one, he had a sack and four tackles and a tackle for loss and two quarterback hits and a forced fumble and a fumble recovery and touchdown. Like, I love Eric Armstead. Great player. But Buckner's still better 
and still oh, younger. But you know yes. what? Who cares? Yes. That's like a, that's a topic from a million <laughs> years ago. But when he says he needs to do better, he knows what Ar- he knows. He knows what Buckner did. And you're getting paid yeah. a lot of money. He's not just getting paid. He's getting paid. What's his cap number this year? Like twenty something. Like, uh, well, I think nice it, they restructured him eventually. Okay. They restructured right. him, and his cap number is like eleven. But that means that that's they true. can't really cut him next year. They have to hang right. on to him. So it's, I don't know. It is what it is. But I think, to me, there are certain players that impact games. And I'm not saying this is him week in and week out. We'll find out throughout the season what his impact is on this game. But there are certain players that aren't talked about that have major impacts because they don't still show up in stat sheets. And often it happens when your goal, let's say, you know, you're playing another team and, and you're talking to their fan base. They're like, well, you know, these are your players. And you're like, well, actually, Eric Armstead is a player I'd watch out for. They're like, oh, wh- his numbers are terrible. Okay, well, wait until Sunday. You'll see that he's very good. And that's that's the way that I see or saw Eric Armstead this Sunday. He was a major, major difference maker. And to me, like I said, if this is the production we're going to get, even if it's not showing up in, this, in the uh, stat sheet, I would be fine with this every week. The question is, is can you get this every week? Because I do think there are times where he does fade away and he is almost non-existent and that can't happen for a guy that gets paid the money that he's getting. Here's why I think he's so effective though. When he's at his best, you put him up on the left side of the, of the defense, which is the right side of the offense. Yep. And even though he's not really hitting the quarterback that much, although he does sometimes, he gets so much pressure right in the quarterback's face, right where he's trying to throw the ball with his right arm. He's six foot eight. He's right in his lap. It's tough. That's not who you want to be throwing around or over. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Like he's just like watching Matthew Stafford last week against Seattle. He's great. He's so good. But I was watching him like, how, how much pressure did he get in his face in this game? And how often was he able to step up in the pocket? No pressure in his face. Could step up in the pocket all day. If you let Matthew Stafford do that, he's going to look like Patrick Mahomes. But he can't do that against the Niners because Armstead and Hargrave are going to be in his freaking grill all day. And he's going to be throwing off his back foot, trying to roll left, trying to roll right. And he's going to be rolling into arms uh, into Jackson and Bosa. I mean, the Rams might beat the Niners, I guess. I guess. But uh, I'd be much more... I'm expecting... Matthew Stafford to get sacked five or six times and not play that well because of Armstead and Hargrave. Yeah. How much better of a defensive tackle is Armstead than he was a defensive end? I mean, that night and day different. He is so much better suited for that position. I love it. He shouldn't be as good against the run as he is at D tackle because he's so tall. Like a lot of times you think, man, if you're inside with those long legs, you can kind of combo block a guy and knock. Like, dude, he's unmovable. Why would you put him out there, Robert? Sala trying to talk to him about that. <laughs> trying to tell you. Trying to tell you. Um, hi, bud. Uh, Jesse, number 74 was bad, but number 68 got BP smacked hard. Well, yeah, but who was facing TJ Watt? He was facing what arguably the best pass rusher in the game. What do you think was going to happen? Now, I will fa- say this. I will say this. McKivitz in the run game was disappointing as well. There was a couple really good plays that he had where he was dominant in the run game. But there was a few times in the run game where people just blew right past him, and and that's that can't happen. It's like you can't even win on the running game. Like at least McGlinchey did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lucky Louis says, "What do you guys think about Dion and Colorado?" Oh, I love Dion. I I I don't know how anybody could think that Dion wasn't a good coach after what he did at his last stop. To me, it was clear, and people doubted the hell out of him. I don't think they're doubting anymore. I have no opinion on college football other than UCLA. <laughs> That's fair. Which I also have no opinion on. Shady Luke says, "You guys, your guys' win literally reminded me of Philly steam rolling the hell out of them last year. Left my ass off. You guys, uh, the shit. Keep up the dope content. Thank you very much, Resident Eagles He's fan. He's a Philly fan. Joey Mellon says, got to beef up that O-line. Lions and Eagles O-line was a lot of fun to watch. Jess O-line failed Rodgers in four plays. Thanks for the content. Real quick, if you go back to watch, uh, if you go back and watch my joint pot, uh, simulcast with Larry from Monday, he asked me who I liked in the AFC East, or he liked Monday night, and I said, I do not trust the Jets' offensive line at all. I was right. 
This is another thing that I was right up impressioned about. So just want to get my <laughs> give myself credit. Matt says Buckner B. Uh, young Eric Armstead is, is Stubblefield. Oh, you would definitely go. Oh, he's Armstead saying Buckner is Bryant Young and Eric's. Okay. I see what saying. Hard. Yeah. Stubblefield got paid by Washington and fell off. But I see what you mean. Pissed off brother Bob says, Nails, let's do a Colin show while I'm at the game. Oh, how fun. Josh Wyatt says, okay, maybe not Moten, who I think could be an all pro in the system, but there has to be a reason they freed up 42 million in cash space for 2023. I'd have to think so. Options. Lyle Collins was released. Next right tackle. That was last topic. We just, yeah, you're going to have to go back. We're not going to, we're not going to repeat ourselves. We're not repeating ourselells <laughs> Okay. I'll repeat myself. All right. I'll repeat myself. Uh, hold on. Let's, let's get to the last segment. The more than or less than show. Okay. Here we go. Prize picks. If you don't know about, we used to do the over under show last year. Now it's the more than or less than show sponsored by prize picks. Prize picks sponsors my channel. They do a great job. If you are into daily fantasy, you want to make entries, Go to Prize Picks. Use the link in the description and use my promo code. They will match your uh, entry 100%. Your first one up to $100. Let's let's get right to it. From this game coming up, let's search 49ers. You're at Prize Picks. Let's go. Uh, let's start with the engine of the offense. Christian McCaffrey, more than or less than 67.5 rushing yards. Just before we start, Jesse beat me last week. He got yeah. one more right than me. So Jesse's winning. Jesse, I also want to say these guys were so accurate. Last week, they had Brock Purdy at 219.5 passing yards. He had 220. Then yeah. they had the more than less than at 28 and a half attempts. He had 29. Yeah. They, wow. I mean, yeah. how much more accurate could you be? They it's got crazy. The before the game. It's crazy. Yeah, they definitely did. Okay. But yeah. luckily, I knew the script also, and that's why I won. Okay, that's more than or less than 67 and a half rushing yards. God, that it almost seems like such a low number that you're like, yeah, no brainer. And then you lose because you thought that it was a no brainer and they knew more than you. But I have to go more than 67 and a half is so disrespectful. And you know, he's going to get 25 carries because it's Kyle Shanahan, regardless of the score. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like 67 and a half either assumes that he's going to have a bad game or that yeah. Kyle Shanahan is going to like load manage him, which I'd be all for, but for that's sure. not going to happen. He's yeah. going to ride this. Like if you think Kyle Shanahan is going to go easy on Christian McCaffrey, go back and look at Terrell Davis's box score. It's not going to happen. They are going to give this guy all he can take. And if it's true that Christian McCaffrey wants it and won't go off the field, then forget about it. I'm going more than here. Yeah, going I gotta more go than. More. Okay, let's go. Brock Purdy. <laughs> Last week it was 219.5 pass yards. This week is 218.5 pass yards. More than or less than. Last week I went less than and was wrong. Yeah. So just based off of that, I'm gonna go more than. He'll get more than 218.5. And I I also do not look at really anything in that secondary with the Rams and say, oh. You know what? They can really cover Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, Kyle Juszczyk if he ever runs a route. Uh, there's just nothing there. I am not impressed at all with that secondary. So I'm going to say more than. I'm going to say more than as well. I think it's going to be another game where they try to get the ball, a game where they try to get the ball to Brock Purdy's hands quickly. I don't think they're going to want him to be holding, holding it long because of Aaron Donald. So that means he, for him to get above 218.5, he's going to need a lot of yards after the catch. But the Niners always get a lot of yards after the catch with uh, against the Rams. So again, I'm with you, Brock Purdy, more than 218.5. I think it's a good bet. How about Brandon Ayuk, the Offensive Player of the Week, more than or less than 59.5 receiving yards? I mean, this seems like a no-brainer more than, but isn't this the type of thing that you could see Kyle just icing him out of a game plan the week after he was Offensive Player of the Week for whatever reason? And Taylor is game plan towards a George Kittle who was unable to get involved last week or a Debo Samuel. I'm going to say less than and hope that he absolutely kills it again because he's on my fantasy team. So. Last time he faced the Rams, week eight last season with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, six targets, six catches, 81 yards, 31 points. 
That's the thing about Ayuk. Like they could throttle him back this week and say, ah, you know, you, you eight targets last week. We kind of want to feature Debo this week. You're only going to get five or six targets. He could catch all of them and still go for 70 yards. So That's I'm going to go more for Brandon Ayuk. I just feel like he's he at is his unguardable. Best right now. <laughs> he's he's kind unguardable. of unguardable right now. He yeah. could do that on five targets. So I'm going to go more. How about mm-hmm. Debo Samuel? 50.5 receiving. It's interesting how the perception has changed, right? It seems like prize picks expects Ayuk to be the number one option in this offense. Yeah. Debo at 50.5 receiving yards, more than or less than. More than. I mean, it seems like against the Rams, every single time he's got an ax to grind, Aaron Donald opened his mouth, and ever since then, Debo will always play well against the Rams. It is like death, taxes, Debo kills the Rams. Screen pass, 80 yards, something like that. It won't take much. Debo will ball out this week, I believe. And like I said, you catch a slant, catch a catch a screen pass, he's breaking one. I'll say Debo over. Yeah, last time Debo played the Rams was week four last year. He got seven mm-hmm. targets, six catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown yeah. through the air. Didn't play in the second game. I forgot that was the game that they didn't have him. He got hurt. he yep. missed a few games down the stretch, but he's healthy now. I feel like he's probably going to get featured this game. Like, like As you said, he always does well against the Rams. I'm going more than. We've done all more than so far. I guess we think the Niners might win this game. George Kittle, <laughs> more than or less than 40.5 receiving yards. I think last week he had 11. 13, I think. Three 13. catches for 13. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. And interestingly enough, the reason I picked less than with him last week was I figured he'd stay in and block a lot. That was actually not the case. They kind of left McKivitz out there on an island quite a bit, and he still was in, unable to get those catches. But I did pick more than 218.5 yards for Purdy. If I'm going under on Ayuk, then I have to go over on both Debo and Kittle. So I'm going to say over on Kittle. Over more on Kittle, man. More than. I, more than. I, I'm going to finally disagree with you. I'm going to go less than. It's because he's coming off a groin injury. And last year against the Rams, he got in the first game, four targets, two catches, 24 yards. In the second game, he got five targets, three catches, 39 yards, one touchdown. If there's one player on the Niners that Kyle Shanahan will pace and try to keep fresh, I think it's Kittle. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think he's going to start slow this season and pick up the pace when they need him, maybe when other players get injured. But I'm used to losing to you in this game, so we'll have to see. Uh, What's that? Well, the- well, hold on. Let me let me see the one below just to see what the Jawan Jennings is. I want to see Ooh, Jawan Jennings, 13.5 oh, receiving more than That than one's that. an interesting one. Let's stay away from that one. But I know we have to pick one from another team, so we might as well go check that out. Otherwise, we can't place our hold on entry. let me start a poll real quick more uh uh more than or less than 218.5 passing yards for brock purdy i want to i want to get the 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 chat involved more than what, than. what did you what okay. did you say on that one did you say more than I said more than we, we went more okay. than uh, for all of them except for yeah You've been well, no, I, I not, said less than on Ayuk. I did say less than on Ayuk. Yeah, Iuke. you said less than on Ayuk, and I said less than on Kittle. So that's our big difference. Yeah. Now let's yep. go to the Rams. So you got to get one from a different team. For sure. That's how it works. Matthew Stafford, 228.5 passing yards for Matthew Stafford. What do you think? More than. It's going to have to be more than. First of all, they're going to be playing from behind. Second of all, they can't run the ball. They Last week... Last week, they actually did try to establish the run, but I don't think it looked very impressive. So I'm sure they're going to try to establish the run. Probably not going to work. I do expect them to play from behind. And Matthew Stafford, I mean, he can sling it. I will say more than. I feel comfortable with that. Ooh. Last time he faced the Niners, Cooper Cup out there, he went 22 of 33 for 187 yards. I don't know, man. He's going to be there. And that was without Javon Hargrave out there. I just don't what think was the, the Rams uh, that score good. of that game. 31-14. I could okay. see that again. I could okay. see that happening again. I'm going less than with Matthew Stafford. I mean, no Cooper Cup. I don't know. I think he's going to get sacked a lot. So I, I'm I'm putting I'm putting 50 bucks down and if I get all six of them right, I win $1200. Damn. So everyone hope that I get these right and that Jesse doesn't. I'm placing my entry right there. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Prize Picks, very much. 
And that's our show. Well, actually, I think we have some super chats, but that was the big one. Thank you very much, Price Picks. I look forward to getting all six right. Cashing out. Okay. Slick Niner. Cash got me you. outside. How about that? Cash me outside. Josh Wyatt <laughs> says, considering the obvious holes in the O-line, right side, and how good the rest of the team is, how is that $42 million not the lead story on every Niners channel? Fans should be demanding they go all in. Well, they have until well, week eight to do so. That's the go. trade deadline. They're so if they haven't they lost yet, don't go into that deadline and make a move with that money. I think that that will definitely be a topic of conversation for sure. In the meantime, hopefully this right side doesn't ruin the season because mm -hmm. it's kind of an experiment. You know, nothing against Spencer Burford and Colton McKivitz. You got a fourth round pick and a fifth round pick getting paid minimum wage in the NFL. And the Niners are holding their finger, crossing their fingers. That's, you know, it's not like you got a guy making $15 million on a first round pick underperforming. That's not the situation. So I think that's, you got to keep that in mind when we talk about these two players. They're sort of being put in a terrible, not a terrible position, but the expectations you're gonna know, are, what are, what are realistic? You're going to know well before week eight in that trade deadline if it's going to work or not with this current O line because you had the Steelers, which we saw didn't work on the right side. You have Dallas, you have the Giants, you have Cleveland. And I think that might be it, but you have some good pass rushing teams coming to town that you're going to have to kind of prove it against. So we'll know before week eight and hopefully they know as well and they make a move if need be. If they find a way to add a serious right tackle to this team. Oh, it's, it's I, on. I mean, what's the weakness? Yeah. It's so on as they would say, that's the show. Thanks for watching. You got a thing coming up in 20 minutes. Yeah, I've got uh, Behind Enemy Lines over on Last Second Sports where I will have a Rams content creator on. So tap in over there, 20 minutes. Yeah, definitely do that. I have uh, dinner coming up, so leave me alone. Thank you very much. Go hang out with Jesse. <laughs> there you go. Tell him how much you love him. Subscribe, like his stuff. Subscribe and like my stuff too. Please. Please. I'll be back tomorrow with the coach and um, then I'll go down to Santa Clara. Talk to the athletes, the heroes. Can't wait to see him. It's going to be phenomenal. Then we get. Then I go down to the L.A. on Friday. Going down a little at least, early. At least it's a short trip. Shorter trip. Yeah. Gonna Maybe you won't get so I can actually move around time. L.A. Although moving around L.A. is so fun. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Great. It's easy. Good so time. Easy. <laughs> Such a good time. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for watching. Go watch Jesse. See you guys.